Have you ever felt like you didn't quite fit in and you couldn't figure out why? And maybe it was a sense of not fitting in that has been with you for many, many years. Well, on today's show, I have a rejection expert and pastor, and she's going to explain why that is. Stay with me. What if the only thing standing in the way of changing your life was having the confidence you need? I found there's three areas you need to be confident in in order to succeed. Your mind, your faith, and your leadership. One or all three of these areas will always be in play. You are listening to Call to Confidence. I'm your host, Sharon Hughes, and confidence looks good on you. Dale Carnegie of Orange County is proud to sponsor the Called to Confidence podcast. Dale Carnegie is a world-class training organization focused on leadership, communication, presentations, and sales. We help people take command of their lives through taking command of their work. Joining me on the show today is Amy Loper. I found Amy on Instagram of all places. And what really piqued my interest is that she is a rejection expert, but she's also a Christian mentor. She's a writer and she's a preacher. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Amy, you have such a story. I'm so excited to have you on and have you share it. So let's get right into it. Tell us about those beginning years and what led you to here? Well, it is a pretty messy story, and I don't want to take 24 hours to tell it because <laughs> it would it would take a long time to tell it all. But um, suffice it to say, I've I've been through a lot of rejection in my life from uh, little things that started when I was younger, um, especially you know as a woman in our culture, especially having to do with my physical appearance which is obviously that's a big issue in our culture. Um, even today, even though we keep yelling about it, even though we keep trying to make it stop, it's still an issue. And, you know, I see it like this. God had, I got saved when I was four years old and God had a great plan for my life. He still does. He has a great plan for my life, but the enemy also had a plan for my life. And every step of the way, um, he, the enemy was also there in my life, trying to confirm certain wounds in my life. So I remember, uh, just things from when I was very little, I am blessed with a very, uh, colorful memory of my early childhood days. I mean, very early. And I remember one of the first in instances that happened was when I was about three years old and um, I was at someone's house and I kind of fell back onto a couch and somehow in the way that I fell back, I looked like, well, I did. I was a chubby little toddler. I had a, a double chin and the people around me just started laughing and uh, oh, Amy's got a double chin and, and just uh, sing-songing it. And I was just horrified. You know, it's one of those moments, even though I'm three years old, where you just want to sink into the couch and disappear. Um, but th that sounds really insignificant. But the thing about those first wounds is that the enemy recognizes them and they actually become targets for the enemy so that you have a little wound. And if it doesn't heal, 
he's able to open that wound up bigger and bigger until you can drive a Mack truck through it. And so different things would happen throughout my childhood, um, instances where I was uh, intimidated or abused at neighbors' houses or, or what have you. And then um, slowly just so craving uh, love and so craving acceptance. Um, I basically, I was willing to do anything to gain that acceptance, that love. And until the point where I, I, um, I got pregnant very young, I got pregnant when I was 15 years old because the young man said he loved me and I wanted that love and I wanted to secure that love. I wanted to hang on to that love and make sure it didn't leave me. Well, of course that wasn't a real love at all. And, um, that love abused me, uh, severely and, um, left me. Well, actually at that point, I was rather glad it left me because, uh, the abuse was quite severe. And, um, so I'm then a 16 year old single divorced <laughs> at 16 and I have a little girl and I'm trying to figure life out and make it on my own and, and, um, and recover from all this rejection. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful. I didn't have, I really highly recommend professional Christian, Christian counseling. And I love my counselor, but I didn't have that back then. That wasn't something that I had access to or even knew how to find. And so the Lord, the Holy Spirit just really counseled me himself. And um, as I look back, the farther I get from that time, the more I look back, I am shocked and amazed and grateful for all that the Lord brought me through. It's truly miraculous. Sometimes I will share with a counselor or somebody in, in the counseling profession, the things the Lord taught me when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. And they're like, wow, that's what we teach. This is, you know, this is what we counsel people to do. And I had nobody really, but the Holy Spirit to tell me what, how to recover from that. And of course that was many years ago. There's been plenty of other less severe, uh, examples of, of enduring rejection throughout my life. It's not something that many of us escape. Yeah. Rejection, I feel like is just running rampant and really in, in your story, which is, which is so it's, it's intense to think of being 15 and pregnant and then 16 and alone with a child. And now when I look around, that's commonplace. Mm. It's really commonplace. And the, the rejection that's running rampant, the, the rejection of self that we learn because we're not loved in those, those really young formative years where we will do anything possible to gain love. Like your story is so, it's so textbook and my story is very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. So it just, it really resonated with me when I started reading some of, some of your um, information on your website and just going, oh my gosh, there's so many of us out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the idea of, you know, like, so you're, you're rejected by people that should have been nurturing you, which teaches us to self reject, which puts us in peril basically on that quest for finding love. But then we have this encounter with, with God and 
I'm not sure if you, if you had a faith-based upbringing that, yes. mm-hmm. okay. So then comes along the, the church and our parents, and they're looking at us like, what, what have you done? And they don't understand. They, so many of them don't understand and they come down so hard and so judgmental. Yeah. I, um, I was blessed in many ways to have, um, certain people around me that were, that were with me and willing to, um, be there for me in, to some degree, mostly just in prayer. You know, um, I got a really precious letter from a woman that I had babysat for, and it just meant the world to me. And, you know, any one of us can do that for somebody. Any one of us can turn around and look in somebody, look at somebody who's going through and feeling that pain of rejection. And we can reach out and we can write mm-hmm. them a note. It's not that difficult. There's still mm-hmm. such a thing as envelopes and stamps and mail. We can still do that. Or even if it's shooting them a text uh, or whatever it is, um, we can still do that. We can still be that person to reach out and, and help somebody. Yeah. And it's so important. And that can be such a game changer, like to the point of, of saving somebody's life. I really believe that. Yes. And I had a friend in my life who was very much like that. Um, He, he was totally a platonic friend, but he stood up for me when people were like, you should not hang out with her. She's um, you know, she's that kind of a girl. And he said, I, she is my friend and I will be her friend. And, um, he stuck up, he's, he stood up for me when it really mattered. And it, it, it meant the world to me because at that point, at that point, I had already had a baby, been married, been divorced. And he stood up for me at that point. And I was already at the lowest point in my life. I looked at my life at 16. I thought it was over. Mm -hmm. I had employed and floated my life. It was to the way that I could see from that vantage point, it was destroyed. And so I really didn't have, I had one thing to live for. And that was my, my daughter. And she really, she was really something that saved my life. She, she wasn't so much a a place of, uh Oh, now I'm pregnant. She was that turning point for me where, okay, I've messed up let's turn this thing around. And the Lord was willing to help me turn that around. But then the friends that were around that were willing to stick up for me, that meant the world. Yeah. Wow. That is an amazing story. It really is. And and it's painful to go through that. You write a lot about rejection. So I'm going to consider you the rejection expert. What are some ways? I'm like a rejection expert at times. It's not the title I ever wanted, but yes. Well, I would love for you to talk about what what rejection is on a couple of different levels. So someone Hmm. listening to this can go, okay, I'm living in self-rejection or Hmm. I've suffered rejection from others. Cause you know, sometimes people will say, oh, that's just kids. And you know, kids call names or kids bully, but sometimes it's a lot more than that. And then let's talk about that fear of being rejected by God. Yeah. Um, I, the, the thing is that we live in a war. We live in a war zone. Even our children are living in a war zone. And I'm talking about the enemy, 
and God and us. We are living in a war zone. So when kids bully or when things happen on the playground or or we're molested or we're, those things happen and we're rejected and we're hurt or what, whatever it may be, we need to recognize that we are living in a war and the enemy is using people. You know, the Bible teaches us that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We are fighting an enemy. And so it's a very real battle. Now, I'm sure that there were things, um, unkind things said to me on the playground that I don't remember because they didn't hit a sore spot. They didn't hit something that was already wounded, but those things that already hit a wound that hit a wound that already existed, those things landed and they caused a bigger wound. So then the enemy was able to use that even more. And um, I think one of the biggest things about rejection that we fear, whether it's as a child or as an adult, is that somebody is going to confirm our worst fear about us. Somebody is going to say the thing that we are most afraid that is true about us. Mm. But the thing about rejection is that it always exaggerates, if not flat out lies. It is not a truth. It is not something that we can say, oh, somebody said this horrible thing about me and I'm going to go to the bank on it. But our heart does that very thing. It, it accepts that word as truth when really it's either a complete lie or it's a gross exaggeration that is intended to hurt. So rejection is, first of all, we have to recognize that it is a lie and we have to call it out as a lie. My parents taught me this phrase when I was a little kid and I wish I'd used it more as a little kid. And it was, I do not accept that as a true statement. (laughs) And I said it once to an uncle who called me a klutz, but that's the only time I remember saying it to somebody with that kind of boldness and bravery. And, um, but it was a great phrase and we could really use that. I do not accept that as a true statement because what we accept as true becomes part of us. Mm -hmm. That is so good. Yeah. That goes back to that um, question you asked about rejection from God. And I I just want to land there for a second, because that is foundational for us as human beings, as human beings, because our DNA goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, who did suffer rejection, who did wrong, who did um, sin in the garden, listened to the enemy and his lies and then sinned. And then they were shut out of the garden. And that's rejection. And so I think part of us is constantly afraid that we are that Adam and Eve. We are that person that is going to be rejected by God. In fact, if you look at any of the man-made religions of the world, they're all based on this fear of rejection. They all um, benefit or capitalize on our fear of rejection. That's what they are. So in all the man-made religions of the world, you've got, oh, you've got to do this. You got to do more. You got to pay. You got to pay. You got to sacrifice. You got to, going back to ancient peoples who went so far as to sacrifice their own children or their best warrior or whatever it was, they sacrificed people in an attempt to not be rejected, to be accepted by God. Mm, So I think it's a very foundational thing. 
What's different about us as believers in Jesus Christ is that he paid the price for us. We knew there was a price that needed to be paid. All human beings know that. And that's where our fear of rejection comes in is because we know there is a price that has to be paid. But Jesus Christ paid the price for us. And when we accept that gift, that price of Jesus Christ, then we are accepted before God. And there is no condemnation. There is no rejection between us and God. That is really good. Boy, I love that. I love two two things that you said. I love it all. But two things that are really sticking out to me is I do not accept that as a true statement. I do love that. We all need to teach our children to say that. Yes, we do. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And what you said about religion capitalizing on fear. There is such a spirit of religiosity Um, in the church today instead of grace and mercy. You know, we do need to be accountable, but grace and mercy. I was talking to someone the other day and and I just said, they were just kind of like, you know, oh, you're a Christian. And I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. And they're like, what does that mean? And I said, well, <laughs> Jesus didn't really follow all the rules. He just, he loved, he loved. Mm-hmm. And the conversation was all about, you know, like, who do you hang out with and all this stuff? And I'm like, well, look at who he hung out with. He was always hanging out with the people that were rejected, the yeah. people that had done terrible things, what we would consider terrible. Mm-hmm. And he just loved them where they were. He didn't say, fix yourself and then give me a call. Isn't it like Jesus was attracted to the most rejected people? Isn't it like he saw that and was magnetically pulled to people who had suffered rejection? And it seems like they were pulled to him as well. Yeah. Can you imagine just feeling that acceptance for the first time in your life? Right. Right. Yeah. And in the church, we do get it confused because, like I said, it's our human nature to fall back on our responsibility to pay that price. And as long as we are trying to pay the price, we we have no grace. There is no grace for us. We're constantly trying to pay. So, and, And then by extension, we're trying to make others pay as well. Right. So going back to identifying rejection... If for somebody that's listening here and they're, they're going through just kind of, you know, like a funk in their life, Mm. what questions could they ask themselves to really nail it down and just go, Oh, you know, maybe this is a pattern of rejection that's in their life that started at a young age, like yours did when you were three, what, what could they ask themselves to try to uncover, you know, if they have a pattern of rejection in their life? Well, I think there's um, some basic symptoms to rejection, um, isolating yourself, especially when you're, um, when you're especially vulnerable, when you're especially hurting to isolate yourself is the worst possible thing you can do as we hopefully know, but we can make it our, our reflex reaction when we have rejection at our core, because we are so afraid when we're hurt that further rejection is coming. And, you know, it's so funny. Um, I was driving to a women's retreat many years ago, and I think there were five women in the car. We were in an SUV 
And there, so there were five women in the car and um, one of us piped up and said something about, you know, when we're together, I always feel like the odd man out. And then like three of the others of us were like, oh, me too. I thought I was the odd man out. I thought it was me. I thought, I thought I was the one that was different and odd and trying to fit in. And four of the five of us felt like the odd man out. You know, that's just not even mathematically possible. That's just not possible for all of us to be the actual odd man out. It's just, it's just not possible. But that core feeling that I'm the odd one out, I'm the one that doesn't fit. That is a spirit of rejection. That is rejection lurking within us so that we're doing that self-rejection. We're saying, I'm different. I'm odd. I'm, I, I don't fit. And that's a bit of self-rejection, probably based on at least one instance as a child uh, growing up and experiencing a deep rejection. Mm, boy, that's really good. You know, I think a lot of people really feel like they are odd men out and it's probably very rare to admit it unless you're in that safe environment with, with yeah. friends that you really think you can be vulnerable with. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, I think it's, it is a lot more prevalent than we realize and a lot more prevalent than we're willing to admit. But can I tell you, when we, when we sat in that SUV and looked at each other and realized that four out of the five of us felt like the odd man out, it was comforting in the sense that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Mm -hmm. But it was also a realization of, well, it can't be true then. If they think I'm in and they're out, the lie that I'm hearing is in fact a lie. And so it was really a revelatory moment for, at least for me, um, it was really powerful. Yeah, that is really powerful. So one of the things that I've noticed is that patterns of thinking, mm. they start at those young ages and sometimes they're not always true. Sometimes we end up believing lies about ourselves. So for example, like to, to, to what you just said, thinking that you're odd men out, that becomes like a belief system that you don't fit in. And then you start having a self-perpetuating behavior so that you actually kind of set yourself up to fail Yeah. so that you, so that you don't fit in or you buffer yourself so much with that fear of being rejected that then you don't allow yourself to fit in. Mm -hmm. That's very true. It, Rejection seems to be a magnet for more rejection mm -hmm. to, to create a, a, a thing that we are even unaware of where we are perpetuating We're like, a, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to be rejected is in our, is in our, um, our manner, the way that we deal with people. And then they're like, oh, that was uncomfortable. I don't really want to get close to that. It's, it's very odd. But again, we live in a spiritual environment. And so these odd things are real. And so that's very true. It seems to be that there is um, like a self-fulfilling prophecy, this, this magnetism for attracting more rejection. And that's why it's so essential to get healed, to get to that place where you actually find the root of that rejection. You identify the lie. And then you speak the truth over it. You, you find what God says about it. And that's the truth. 
-hmm. And then you can begin to reshape and reroute your brain and reroute your life away from that constant input of rejection and toward acceptance. Mm, Yeah, that's really true. Definitely have to have the truth being spoken into your life. So for somebody maybe that is a brand new believer, or maybe they're just kind of like putting a toe in the water and they're like, yeah, I kind of know a little bit about this Jesus guy, but I'm just not quite sure. What would you recommend to that person that, you know, maybe they don't even have a Bible. They're just really not sure. How do, how do they get that truth in their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is going to take some rerouting. And by that, I mean, you know how they're, if you've ever driven on a dirt road, you know what a rut is because there's ruts wherever the tires are. There's ruts on either side where the water goes and our brains form ruts like that. And we need to actually change the surface that we're, our pathways in our brain are that we're driving on. We need to change that so that we can end up at a different destination. And so if you're just starting out, if you're just learning about this, I absolutely recommend you getting a Bible, a simple one that you can read and understand. Don't get something that um, is going to confuse you. Uh, My favorite is the NASB. It's the most accurate and I find it easy to understand, but you know, you can get a Bible that you understand. That's essential. And I recommend you start in the gospel of John. You will see how Jesus was attracted to the rejected people and how he accepted them and just loved them. I think of um, the woman at the well in John four and, you know, just over and over again, John just, I mean, Jesus just loving people who everyone else had rejected. And um, you'll see that really clearly in John. And if you are just starting out, it's going to be really important to to guard what you put in your mind, to guard what you're watching, listening to, to who you're hanging around with. Now, I'm not a friend. I'm I'm a huge uh, non-friend of the cancel culture. So I'm not going to say change your whole friend group, but I am going to say put some people in your life who will speak godly truth to you, who will help you heal the wounds that um, you have incurred up till now. And that can get you going on the right way of thinking about yourself and, um, and the world and the way that you're interacting with it. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. You need people that are speaking truth into your life. Okay, so for the listeners that are just barely sticking their toe in, um, Amy, you said what your favorite version is, but say what those initials stand for. <laughs> Some people are going to be like, what is she yeah. talking about? <laughs> the NASB is a version of the Bible. It's called the New American Standard Version. Um, and it, it is the mo- one of the most accurate versions of the Bible, uh, accurate to the original text. And that's a, one of the big reasons I love it. I also find it very understandable. Um, and so that's why I, I recommend it. Yeah. And then when you get that Bible and you open it up, there's all these names that are hard to pronounce, especially in the old Testament. So don't let that discourage you. You want to kind of open it in, in smack in the middle, go hang a right 
And you're going to get in the book of John that Amy mentioned, and that starts telling the story of Jesus. And um, like in the Old Testament, it's all predicted that he's coming. It's prophesied about, but you'll start here seeing and reading the story of Jesus right there in the first book of the New Testament, which is John. And hang out in John, camp in John. Know that when you're reading your Bible, it's not a race. And it's okay to not understand. Just just sit in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, if you're a new believer, you are a new believer because the Holy Spirit called you. There's no other way. God wanted you. He, he wanted you. So you are already accepted and the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you as you read his word. And you can just invite him just when you sit down to read, just say, Holy Spirit, just come and teach me. John, the book of John tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. So it doesn't matter if you're asking a question about the most mundane thing or the most serious thing. It doesn't matter if you're asking an ancient truth. What does the scripture mean? Or if you're asking a modern day question, the Holy Spirit can speak and will speak to all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. For that brand new person, they're going to go, well, who's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, thank you, Sharon. You're awesome. At this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if we want to get into doctrine of the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit is basically our teacher and he is God. He is the spirit of God. And so just like Jesus is the son of God and God himself, um, the Holy Spirit is also God. Okay. One more thing, because we're, we're doing um, Bible Christianese 101 here. <laughs> <You are>. so, <laughs> so earlier when we started talking, you were saying, you know, those wounds and the enemy knows them. Somebody's going to go, well, who's the enemy? Are you, is that the person that was calling you names? So who's the enemy? Right. The enemy is Satan, the devil. Um, And he is not equal to God by any stretch of the imagination. Um, A lot of people think it's uh, the devil versus God. It's not that. It's not that at all. God is, is God and he's uncreated, whereas the devil is a creation Um, He was created as a good and pure and wonderful worshiping angel. And he decided he wanted the honor and the glory for himself. And that is when he became what we call now the devil. Oh, I I, couldn't you just see us doing like a series of about 10 (laughs) Bible basics? (laughs) Yes, that would be fun. I love it. So good. That's so good. Well, Amy, I know that you have a ton of resources on your website around rejection. Where can we find you? You can find me at amyloper.com. Now, the trick is that my name is not spelled normally, (laughs) thanks to my dad, but that's okay. I love my name. It's A-M-I, and then my last name is L-O-P-E-R. So uh, amyloper.com. That's my website. And you have, of course, resources besides your handout teaching training on rejection. You've got videos, you have a vlog, you have a blog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of resources on my website about fear, about rejection, about God's love, and how do I know it's for me? It's I've got all kinds of things on 
my website as free resources. Also, just while we're talking about rejection, one of the resources that I have is printable declaration cards. They're called acceptance declarations. You know, when you are faced, you can do all the work. Let me back up and just say, you can do all the work about rejection. And then when a fresh new rejection hits you, it's like you're a deer in headlights. You, you don't even know where to turn. You know you knew some scriptures somewhere that you were supposed to say, but you can't remember what they are. You know how rejection does that. There's a little bit of shock and awe in it. So I created these acceptance declarations. They're purely scripture. It's 37 scriptures that I've uh, separated into three different declarations that you can make into uh, bookmarks. I have mine laminated and they've got little ribbons on the top so they can be bookmarks in my Bible or bookmarks in my planner. And I can grab that instantly and just begin to speak God's word over my heart and start that process of healing from that fresh rejection. You know, I have been at this obviously for a long time. I've gone through a lot of rejection, but each new rejection has a new element to it. And I need God's word speaking truth over me. And sometimes, even though I know the word quite well, it escapes me when I am hurting the most and I can't seem to remember what I'm supposed to do. So that's why I created those acceptance declarations so that you could have them at your fingertips anytime. I love it. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing some biblical truth and helping others understand that they're not rejected forever. They, okay. they go through that, that, belief, but it's, it's not true. Yes, that's absolutely right. You are accepted and you are loved by God. You are loved. And you know, if you're a believer, that's, that's the height of being chosen. You know, forget being last to be picked on the kickball team. This is the height of being chosen. Jesus Christ chose you. Mm, that's so good. That's the perfect way to end. Jesus Christ chose you. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Sharon. It's been quite an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of Called to Confidence. If you haven't subscribed, hit the button so you never miss an episode. And would you consider leaving a review? All right, friends, until next time, I wish you every good thing. <laughs>